What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, the morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Chicago White Sox. It's not really something that uh, y'all are really looking forward to, but there might be some hidden value in this. And we see this every year from teams that are not in the spotlight that we don't expect to win a ton of games. They don't have aces galore, but we might see some surprising arms inside of that that actually get us value because let's say a team doesn't get a lot of wins, but maybe one guy or two guys does and the rest of the rotation does not. So we're going to start with Dylan Cease, who may or may not be a White Sox at the start of the year. And should teams be going after him? Well, I hinted on Twitter Live, I've done some tweets on, on Cease the past couple of weeks. And the first one was me saying, like, look, there's a lot of problems about Dylan Cease that I think teams are recognizing. And those that are expecting Cease to be closer to his 2022 self than the 2023 self might be a little disappointed. And I still stand by that. I also put out a tweet today of the cut action on his forcing were not being good. Um, Robert Sutton involved and be like, wait, that's the first time I've heard that. Is there any data on that one? That's a great question, Robert. And I wish I did. I. It's one of those things that it is absolutely anecdotal at this moment. However, um, as I've done this for a long time now looking at these pitch movements and everything of trying to explain why certain fastballs are getting whiffs once some aren't why are they not acting the way that we want them to if they have cut action it's just generally not good because most of the guys are not using their fastball as having cut action uh and they if they are leaning into it it generally means more weak contact than it is missing bats so if you cross over what i call the plane of 1000 cuts Uh, That is the x-axis being uh, underneath or zero, so negative on the x-axis. That means it's going glove side. Um, Generally, that is not a good thing for them. Uh, So Dylan Cease's four-seamer had more of that in 2022 than in 2023, which is actually very interesting. And Lance Marzowski came out and said, like, hey, look, I actually looked into this. Uh, More of his fastballs earned whiffs went on the sub-zero percent than above or sub-zero on the x-axis which essentially says if that's cut action it got more whiffs which is very interesting i do wonder if that's a product of uh, when he used it and where he put it because overall i think it does hurt dylan cease he has not had a single season above a 13 percent swing strike rate on this four seamer he does not locate it well as uh, on top of this and the most successful season he's had with this four seamer actually was in 2022 and his results against right-handers were pretty much the same with that fastball. It was against lefties that it was better. However, the strike rate was way lower. We're talking sub-60% strike rate. And why that's important is because Dylan Cease allowed less damage to happen on his four-seamer. The ICR was way lower than it was in 2023 to left-handers, right? So with Cease throwing fewer strikes and giving in less, it helped him out. He had the same walk rate as he did in 2023. And... I don't know if that really can stick, if that can return saying, hey, cool, don't have a 66% strike rate on that four-seamer against lefties. Okay, thanks. I I think it kind of showcases that A, Cease doesn't really have the best command, and B, that uh, it's unreliable. Um, The slider uh, performed well against lefties in both years, um, and that's cool. It's not really like 30% 30% ICR, it's you know still allowing some high hard contact, but it's good enough. The problem is that there's just nothing else. This is a two-pitch pitcher, and the curve, you could say, yeah, 15% usage and stuff, it's not really good. It, not enough strikes on it, doesn't uh, mitigate hard contact enough, doesn't get enough whiffs. Like That is not the reliable pitch for Cease. And on every given night, it's really about, is this slider dominating right-handers or not? 
And it took a major step back in strike rate from 2022 to 2023 against right-handers, fewer O-swing, fewer in the zone. And its ICR went through the roof. We're talking like elite stuff of 22% ICR in 2022 against right-handers. I mean, that was insane. Just how good he was at doing that. It jumped above, well above 40% in 2023 and with fewer strikes. So it was fewer strikes and then worse contact. It's the opposite of both good things, right? So that's really worrisome to me. And as a pitcher that we've considered not a control freak, right? He is not one of those command artists that we believe every night is going to be able to execute exactly what he wants. I have little faith that Dylan Cease is going to have all the right pieces in the right place for a magical season like he did in 2022. And don't forget, it was really the first like two months that were so good from Dylan Cease in that one. And after that, it was only a 24% K rate uh, in 2022. So I, I just think we're chasing something that is not there with Cease. If he does move to another team, like what do you fix? You know, I see the high stuff plus number on his fastball because the IVB is very good. The VAA is fine. Um, the extension isn't. And it, it's it's just not really adding up to me to an elite fastball that should have like a 15-16% swing strike rate to right-handers and good enough against left-handers. Like it's under 10% swing strike rate to left-handers. And that's where the cut action kind of comes in, in my view. Like he actually does do a good job of generally trying to get that inside against lefties and go slider underneath it. I like that approach. Uh, it's it's just it's not executed well enough. And the whole thing just is too volatile to me. He does not paint the picture of a, of a guy that you watch him and he's doing what he wants to do with consistency. That drives me up the wall and it's not the starter that I want to go for and I, I'm just not going to do it. Um, I think we're chasing to, uh, we're chasing a guy that had really like a couple good months in 2022 and has showcased who he is otherwise. Now, I will mention that he's probably going to be worthwhile in your 15 teamers. I'm not saying that he's going to be completely a detriment of that five, four, five, eight ERA and a 142 whip again, but uh, those that are really leaning heavily into Dylan Cease this year as like a top 30 starter, I just can't do that. I think there are guys that you're going to not want to drop and not give you this headache um, in that same place, and Cease is just too inconsistent for me. I don't want to do it. There's too much to fix as a two-pitch pitcher, really. Um... Michael Kopech could also be grouped into that of just too much to fix. He's a very interesting one where in the pen in 2021, his four seamer was so good um, Had 97 mile per hour velocity, had 17 inches of IVB. He had solid extension in VAA. It was great, except that it, even then it wasn't getting the overwhelming uh, swing strike marks that you'd really want it to have. Um, and that's kind of surprising to me. Uh, well, it's because really the command of it was really bad. And then even in 2022, when uh, it was a tumultuous year of just what velocity is he going to have? Like sometimes it would be like 92, 93, and the next one would be like 96, 97. He settled around like 94, 95. He actually had IVB up to 18 inches. So it was just the thought of like, okay, he's not healthy. His knee's bothering him, all this stuff. And Michael Kopech, once he has that fastball... Uh, that has that health, he's going to get his fastball back, have the velocity back, and he's going to command better and all that kind of stuff. And then in 2023, that fastball became a 16 IVB pitch. So it dropped like an inch and a half, uh, if not more, in in vertical break. He commanded it worse. The fastball velocity was still down. And he's never really been a command guy. 
Um, what else does he have? It's a slider that hasn't had a 60% plus strike rate. And I don't like this. The curve is just not really there. The changeup isn't really there. And oh no, <laughs> it is really hard to, to lean in to Kopech. Now, if he's fully healthy and he gets his IVB back on his fastball, is able to do a high lock of like 60% and get that slider down enough and earn more than like a 59% strike rate, then there is something there. Absolutely. Like he had a productive 2022 um, like a 3.5 ERA and a 1.15 whip. Like, it wasn't so bad. Uh, it was actually, like, good if you just stuck him in Roto Leagues. But, man, I don't want to chase it right now. I think it's just going to be too volatile. And even when he does do something right, it does feel as if it's going to be uh, volatile. In start to start, it's going to be tumultuous. So, Kopech, to me, is um, going to have to do a lot of other things before... I take a chance on him this season. We have other guys to talk about. I know it doesn't sound interesting, but there is some things about Eric Fede and Michael Soroka and maybe Chris Flexen, but there are so many starters with the White Sox who can make uh, appearances this year in the rotation. And we're going to talk about all of them. Garrett Crochet as well. And there are six prospects I wrote about. Did I write about six or about five? It's so many guys. We're going to talk about all of it after this break. So to start off, Eric Fede, and I know, don't trust the feds. I've said this before. He had a terrible 2022, and he went to the KBO, and all of a sudden became the MVP. And he's a different guy now. I'm going to treat him like a completely different pitcher. He's not the guy that we saw before. He was just a three-pitch arm with sinkers, curveballs, cutter, cutters. Nothing was really good. He's nothing like a sweeper. He's throwing harder, around 94, uh, topped out 96 as opposed to 93, sorry, 92, 93 that he was before. Uh, he has a splitter now as well. He had a 209 strikeouts and 180 frames. Like, this is a different pitcher completely. And forget everything you know about carpets, right? <laughs> this is a completely different guy. So that's kind of cool. And considering that the White Sox opening weekend is against the Tigers, I could see Fede being someone who the White Sox are leaning in for many innings. Uh, that they just say, cool, can you go six today? Great, thank you so much. Call it a day. Take a look at him. See how he does in the spring. See if the sweeper that I have a video up of it um, is good enough. I don't know if it gets enough horizontal movement, but it clearly had success for him there. The The cutter um, was getting strikes again. The curveball was present. The sinker was looking good and had more drop, apparently. Um, there's just stuff going on here. So I'm curious. I think if 15 teamers are kind of safe with it, and I've said this before, Sure, the White Sox are not going to get a ton of wins, but someone's got to be on the mound, right? And uh, someone's going to be on the mound when they get wins. And let's say Eric Fetty is the best pitcher on this team if Dylan Cease leaves, or maybe he might still be, even if Dylan Cease is still there, uh, he'll get some wins. He won't get like five of them, right? Let's say he gets like eight wins. Is that such a big drop off from like the 10, 12 guy? I understand that's like 50% or something from the 12, but you understand my point. You might find some value from Eric Fetty this year. Um, for your 15 teamers and 12 teamers, it's not even the worst art throw at the end. Just could be like your Miles Michaelis 2022 play, um, where you just kind of get him for the opening series and he looks really good and you take him for one more and it just keeps going from there. So I don't know. It's against the Tigers opening weekend. Maybe you want to take a shot for that. And then if it doesn't work out, you go and get someone else who hasn't made a start yet that opening fab on Sunday. So give a look at it. Uh, I'm kind of curious about it. Uh, Michael Soroka is someone I also really don't know what to say. We haven't seen Michael Soroka do anything since like 2019. 2019 was 174 innings for Michael Soroka. Then he got all these injuries. And we finally saw 32 innings in 2023 and 13, I think. Actually, no, 13, 2020, I think it was. Something ridiculous. We just haven't seen him. So 
I'm excited because I get to see uh, long-leashed uh, Soroka, right? Atlanta was a little careful with him last year. Didn't really give him much of an opportunity. I thought he was going to kind of soar in that second half, and they didn't really give him the opportunity at all. They just said, nope, we're good. We're going to move on to something else. So Soroka, who is very interesting, having like a 15% swing strike rate at times, um, to like left-handers with his four-seamer last year, which is not a good pitch shape at all. Um, he's someone that I've, I've always thought would develop better than young arms because he has such good command and manipulation of the baseball at like 21 years old when I first saw him in 2018. So now that he's going to be 27 in the middle of the year, which is remarkable to say the least, I'm very curious to see if Soroka can develop as the year goes on. And maybe we see a different version of him as he continues to develop this offseason now prepped to actually have a spot in the rotation out of camp. So I'm very curious about it. I mean, it's a slider and changeup with sinker and four-seamer from what I understand of Soroka. Nothing is super exciting at the moment, but we're going to see a larger sample and just keep an eye on him. I don't really want to go after him um, in my drafts at the moment, but he will get the chance. Like, that's the thing. He gets a chance, and that's kind of cool for someone who has shown that he can be a command pitcher in the past, and there's something to that. Um, Chris Flexen, though, is likely going to be the number five, and no, no, I, I don't want this. Uh, his four-seamer has cut action, and he keeps them away from both lefties and righters, so if you have cut action on your fastball, what do you what do I like? Go inside opposite handed batters. He doesn't do that. Well, never mind. He has a cutter that gets vertical drop, not really much more horizontal movement than the four-seamer does, and he throws it under it, and it's not very good, and then there's not much else. Like, that's it. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I don't want to do this. It's a very desperate Sunday because he'll get all the innings if he does start for the White Sox. Like, they intend for him to start. Um, but, yeah, no, don't want to do it. And that's only four starters for the White Sox. So, that means we have all of these guys on the fringe. The obvious one is Garrett Crochet, who I... Uh, actually, that's, that's five stars. I take that back. But Garrett Crochet is going to be fighting for a rotation spot. And in 2021, before he got Tommy John as a reliever, he had some promise with a 95 or 97 mile per hour uh, fastball with good extension and high IVB, but the low VAA made it have a sub 10% swing striker against right-handers. And that's kind of surprising. And actually, I realized that I, I think I quoted that for Kopech before. I meant it for Crochet. Um, the fastball did have success before for, for Kopech, so there's some hope for him there if he's able to get the uh, the IVB back on that. But for Gare Crochet, like that's, wait, hold on a second. You had the good fastball before, and it still didn't get the whiffs we wanted. And now, in the brief 13 innings that we saw this past year, we saw a 14 IVB instead of like a 17. And the same extension VA and velocity and bad swing and miss potential. And like, oh, no, that's not good. Um, the slider is really filthy. Um, but that's it. Like, that's it I see from Crochet. And like, that's not enough. So we're going to see him in the spring. And I'm very curious to see what numbers we get on it, what... Uh, third pitch we really see because the changeup just was not a thing um, before. It was you just had no command of it this year. That's all. Um, the velocity sounds nice, but without a good pitch shape, it just is not the overpowering pitch we need it to be. Um, at least Crochet is decent at getting the slider in, down, and into right-handers, but uh, that's all he had, <laughs> and that's just not enough. Um, Tuki Desant might get some opportunities. I mean, it's a splitter and a curveball, maybe on a given day, like he'll get like six strikeouts. It, the fastballs aren't good enough. The curveball isn't consistent enough. The splitter isn't consistent enough. Like you don't want this life of Tuki Desant. 
I was excited about uh, Jared Schuster last year because what I saw of him in the spring was nailing four seamers on the inside corner to right-handers as a lefty and then having the slider go underneath it. Unfortunately, that slider doesn't really have elite movement. The four seamer is really bad as far as pitch shape goes and just the whole characteristics of it. That means that if he isn't commanding inside, then he's going to get crushed with it. And the changeup is not really that great anymore. And just the whole command is just not good. So I'm not in on Schuster, um, especially without that four-seamer looking like an overwhelming pitch. And now I know more about this stuff, and I can say that, and I understand it more. We get better every year. Uh, so Schuster is just not someone I'm targeting. I, I hope that he develops more and able is able to figure out that command and maybe get some more, uh, I don't know, positive attributes across his arsenal. But right now, this is not it. Um, Chad Cool and Jake Woodford are both uh, there on minor league deals, and uh, we'll see if that actually pans out. But uh, yeah, Woodford is not a guy you want to chase in the slightest. Uh, does not have any ways to miss bats, and is just super reliant on a sinker in the zone. And oh boy, and Chad Cool has a really good slider, and that's it. Really, everything else is super super bad. So even with cores and all that stuff, but nope, don't want uh, Chad Cool in the slightest. Now, prospects are interesting. Um, there's Jake Eater, the guy that came over from the Marlins in the uh, Jake Berger deal last year. I was surprised that Eater was given up, but Eater is uh, it was someone in 2021 that was swinging a bit harder and was really, really exciting as far as like swing strike rates and, and strikeout rates and really wasn't as good in the minors this past year. Um, his slider looks legit, but the command is kind of questionable and the 92-94 velocity isn't quite what they want um, out of Eater. Like they think he can be much more than that. The White Sox, in my view, are going to see how things go in uh, the spring, give him more innings and uh, and wonder if, you know, and see if like there's a good third pitch to rely on if that fastball can return to what it used to be. Uh, with Sean Burke, he was actually last year. Oh, and by the way, when, when Jake Eater gets the call, I'm very curious about it. But the good news is that we'll have more data and we'll actually understand where he's at before he throws a single pitch. And that's pretty cool. So I... I'm very curious, but I have my tempered expectations on Jake Eater because that fastball needs to be better and just the overall uh, command. Um, Sean Burke was the guy last year at this time that looked like the sixth starter for the White Sox and was going to get an opportunity. And then he had his shoulder. He only pitched nine games um, last year. So he has really good extension in IVB. Um, a bad VAA and low 90s uh, velocity. He has a change in curve. Um, but there really isn't something that's super exciting uh, with Sean Burke, unfortunately. And I don't really think that he's someone that you're going to be wanting to target. Um, the same thing kind of with Christian Mena and, um, and maybe Kai Bush. Uh, yeah, I think both of those guys might get some opportunities, but not really overwhelming stuff that you should be heavily focused on them. Uh, Mena does have good IVB on his, uh, his four-seamer with good extension, 17 plus IVB. But bad VAA, doesn't have good velocity. Slider is the pitch that he leans on more. Curve grades out better with stuff plus. Um, I am I watched some of them. Wasn't really too impressed with it. He's very much of a wait and see. If he gets his opportunity, we just kind of see what it looks like and go from there. And with Kai Bush, he's a lefty who uh, looked better in 2022 with the Angels and then kind of was pedestrian last year. And it's low 90s uh, from the left side. Um, slider and curve that are solid uh, in a changeup that can be decent, but command is a big focus of of his development right now. He's not quite there with that, and uh, I don't want to trust that. The one guy that everyone's going to be really talking about, though, is Nick Nestrini. Um, I think more so than Eater. The Eater is a bigger name, I think, in some ways, but Nestrini is the one that actually I think is going to get the first chance to really impress. Like if 
I imagine he's going to be doing well. They could bring up someone else like Mana or uh, um, earlier on, but Nestrini is the one that's really going to get our attention. And uh, he came over in the Lance Lynn Joe Kelly deal with the Dodgers last year. Four seamers, low to mid 90s, around like 94 with good IVB, good uh, or decent enough VAA. But he has a slider and a change the tunnel well off them, both grayed out well. He also has a curve. He had a 30% strikeout rate last year. The only question is, of course, walks. It's about uh, 11 to 12% last year across double A, triple A, and 115 innings. The the concern I have, of course, is that command. And there is an element of deception of how it comes out. It's a little bit of a higher VA than I would like. It's not like the super low angle that uh, it might be why he's squeezing more out of his pitches than uh, we kind of expect, um, especially at that non-elite velocity. So uh, I'm a little tepid on Nestrini because I don't really expect that he's going to uh, prevent walks and be efficient enough on a underperforming team uh, for me to really be that excited. But I'm curious and I'm very excited to see how his AAA numbers look this year uh, before he gets the call. And obviously when he gets the opportunity, uh, we will pay attention to that one. Um, but that is it for today with the Chicago White Sox. I wish I had better news for you guys. Uh, I know that it has been so rough for White Sox fans as of late, and I uh, want to give you all of my sympathy. But that is it for today. So consider getting PL uh, Pro Lifetime. It is open just for a little bit longer, um, and I think we're going to close it after the launch of PLX. Um, in addition, we have PitchCon coming next week. That is on Wednesday, January 24th through 28th. So go check out uh, pitchos.com slash pitchcon. Uh, we'll have the sign-up form for uh, prizes, which are absolutely free. You do not have to donate to the cause of LAS to uh, to be eligible to win. We'll have that sign-up form likely uh, next Monday. So that is the 22nd. So you can get in. You can also make contributions now um, at pitchos.com slash pitchcon as our goal is to raise $10,000 to combat ALS. All right, that is it for today. My name is Nick Pollock, and may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.